I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. This is my Thanksgiving message, my Thanksgiving uh, uh, communication help tool that I'd like to share with you today from Luke's Gospel chapter 17. I have a, I'm amazed how blessed we are and yet how ungrateful we can be at times. Can anybody agree with that statement? Yeah. Yeah, I found that gratitude is the value that unlocks so many other positive qualities in my life, and I hope for you too. Gratitude makes you generous. Gratitude makes you encouraging. Gratitude makes you thankful when you practice a spirit of gratitude. So Luke chapter 17, I want to begin reading at verse number 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. They socially distanced back then. <laughs> and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Quick quiz, how many men had leprosy? It's not a trick question. Go ahead and say the answer. Ten. Ten men had leprosy. Ten men had leprosy. Now, when we read this, it's easy. It's really simple for us to just kind of gloss over it, try to get to the gist or the point of the story and kind of go, yeah, keep on reading. But, but we got to understand the depths of the cry of their heart. These guys were desperate for some help. They were at the end of themselves. They had more pain and discomfort and isolation and loneliness and discouragement and depression than we can even comprehend. Yes, you may be able to identify, maybe not with a skin disease, but with something going on inside. And if you read the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 13, you really understand the depth and depravity of, of, of this skin disease called leprosy. Um, Never mind how painful it was, never mind how ugly it was and how contagious it was. But when we think about what they had to do, you had to tear your clothes if you saw somebody, tear them a little bit more, tear them a little bit more, just so people would know, I got to stay away from that person. They've got leprosy. If you had leprosy, you had to keep your mouth, I don't know how they, this rule was, but Leviticus tells us you had to keep your mouth closed at all times. And yet, so that nobody would get this contagious disease. And yet, if you saw somebody come, I believe, within 50 feet of you, you had to scream out, unclean, at the top of your voice to let them, I don't know how you're supposed to keep your mouth closed, at the same time, shout out unclean, but you had to do that. Did you know that a person who had leprosy wasn't allowed to comb, cut, or style their hair? Ever? Because it was another outward indication of what was happening inside of you so that people around you could see that you had COVID, I mean leprosy. There's this pandemic that's going on. We now have a simple cure, by the way, to this evil skin disease. But then they had no cure. I wonder how far in the future somebody would be looking back on 2020 going, we now have a cure to this, a simple cure to this thing called the coronavirus. But I digress. These, these people were desperate for change. Let's talk about the pain that they were experiencing just for a moment. Without being too descriptive and too grotesque, they, a leper um, would have lived their lives so full of rejection, um, their body would literally be oozing with, with sores. And it's very disgusting, but it's very, very true. They could, somebody with leprosy, advanced stage leprosy, could fall asleep at night and they'd lose the feeling in their extremities. And they could wake up in the morning and a rodent could have eaten their pinky or their toe away. It just was that bad. It destroyed you from the inside out. 
So I can't imagine they hadn't had human contact in how, how many years? Not a hug, not, not an embrace. They couldn't, they couldn't hug their mama. They couldn't hug their children. They, they, they couldn't have any connection with another human being at all. You can only imagine um, the devastation that they were experiencing. And so when they see Jesus, I need you to get this picture. When they see Jesus, they had heard of this man who heals, who restores, strengthens. And they see him and they're like, wait a minute. If he did it for them, maybe, maybe he could do it for me. And there's all of a sudden this just tiny little bit of hope. And Jesus offers hope. And falling on their knees and they're crying out in desperation. Help me! Help me! They're desperate for help. Maybe, maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there. You will be one day. And they're crying out with passion and energy and desperation to, to help me. That's, that's the picture. And then in verse, verse number 14, when he saw them, that's Jesus, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. How many, how many were cleansed or healed? Ten. Ten. All the ten of them were. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You got to understand, Jesus was a Jew. And the Jews and the Samaritans, it wasn't just like, hey, we don't really care for those people. It was like, um, we hate those people. It was animosity that was there. And so um, it would have been really odd for a Samaritan to interact with a Jewish person. But this is taking it to a whole nother level of gratitude. This Samaritan falls on his knees, on his face before Jesus thanking him. And then verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 10, 10 guys were miraculously, I mean, it's a miracle, transformed. I'm talking about no hope to having a normal life again. All, all 10 of them, and, and only one of the 10 came back with a heart of gratitude. I don't know about you, but God, teach me to be the one. Help me to be the one, because here's what I see in this story. Sure, we don't get the whole leprosy, and sure, we don't understand the whole unclean thing, but, but we definitely understand God coming through for us, and we also understand going back to the way that it was rather than taking the time to say thank you, Jesus, really thanking our Savior. So I asked myself the question for this Thanksgiving time. I said, Lord, how can I be the one? How can I be the one? How can I be, how can I be more thankful? And so what I want to do in just a few minutes today is show you three statements that I've pinned that will help you choose gratitude. Three, three statements that I believe will help us adopt and put into practice, put into our heart um, uh, uh, helps that will enable us to practice and to choose gratitude. Here we go, number one. First of all, every good thing I have comes from God. Every good thing I have comes from God. 
In fact, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse number 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from what? From above. Above means it comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's all, it's from God. We need to understand that every good thing that we have in our lives comes from God. Well, you might say, well, I worked really hard for that, or I, I really earned that. There might be a little bit of truth to that, but you got to understand that every place where you succeed, your succeeding is, a, is from a gift that God gave to you. God is the giver of all good and perfect things. In fact, if we just survey the, the entire Bible, and we don't have time for that today, but just a few instances in the Bible that this has proved to be true. Noah, God, God gave Noah the plan to build the ark. God gave Noah the ability to build the ark, and God gave Noah the materials to build the ark. So it was God who saved Noah's family, not Noah. Somebody say amen. Um, God, God, uh, God gave David the ability to take down Goliath. You say, how did he do that? Well, God gave David the um, experiences in his life. Some of you were like, I don't want to fight this lion. I don't want to fight this bear. God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me succeed over this? Maybe God is using this because he sees the beginning from the end. Maybe God is using this moment in your life to prepare you for the real battle that is to come. Maybe he's allowing you to grapple with this bear or wrestle with this lion and to, to exterminate, exterminate them because there's a Goliath in your path and in the path of your family down the road. And God wants you to know that this experience that you have now is a gift from God to help you be victorious over that which is to come. God gave, God gave the experience to David. He also gave the talent to David. I think about David picks up that stone he picked up five, but he only needed one. He puts in his sling and around, and all of the science that goes into this kind of blows my mind. It had to have the right speed. It had to have the right angle. It had to have the right trajectory. It had to have the right targeting. It had to have, it had to have accuracy. And the stone itself, God gave to David not just the experiences to prepare him, not just the talent to throw the stone, but God gave to David the stone that was the right weight, that was the right circumference, right? That was the right density. That had, listen, he gave him the stone. God gave David. God gave David the victory. God gives you the victory. God gave Jonah a ride. A ride in a fish, a giant fish to take him safely to the shore. God gave a teenage girl named Mary faith to say yes to giving birth to the savior of the world. God gave the wise men a star to lead them. God gave us the Prince of Peace and the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lion and the Lamb, the Savior of the world. God, what does God give us now though? That's good for, the, what does God give us now? God gives you supernatural peace, listen to me. Supernatural peace. But nobody else understands this peace. God gives you that peace. God gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to counsel us, to enable us, to empower us, to guide us. God gives us his word, his word to direct us. God gives us health. He gives us friends to love us and to love. And God gives us life so that we can glorify him 
with every breath in our being. Every good thing we have comes from God. We need to understand God is completely good. God is constantly good. God is unchangingly good. God will never not be good. He is always good. Everything our God does is good. And when we embrace this, it'll change your attitude. Some of you need, some of us need our attitude shifted during this season. And somebody understand you, right? We need our attitude. Instead of an attitude of entitlement, we embrace an attitude of, of gratefulness, of gratitude, which overflows into other positive attributes of our lives. So number one, I said, every good thing I have comes from God. But number two, I'm not gonna let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter six, verse uh, number nine, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better what is in front of you than that which you are longing for. What he's saying is he's talking about being grateful for what you have. See, gratitude, being grateful for what you have, it turns whatever we have into enough. I have enough. Because gratitude transforms it. You see, it's not happy people who are uh, grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. So I'm not going to let what I want rob me of the blessings of what I already have. So what do you already have? Well, we have three meals a day, don't we? We have a bed to sleep in. We've got clothes to wear. We've got a job that provides. We've got a car to drive and a place to live and more than one pair of shoes in our closet. Um, you know, when most of the world doesn't even have a pair of shoes, we've got all kinds of shoes. We've got work shoes and church shoes and house shoes and high heels and pumps and open-toed and flats. I raised four girls, so I know what I'm talking about, right? We, we've even got a pair of shoes that you wear to mow your yard, separate from your regular shoes. Did you know that if you make minimum wage, just minimum wage, you're making 32 times the average wage of half of the population of the world? And, and it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, I, I gotta have more, I want more. I'm not telling you don't be goal-oriented. I'm not telling you don't have, don't have visions of, of something better for you or your family. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is don't let what you want rob you of what you have. It's, it's more than an economic thing, though, in our lives. It, your, your, your health right now, most of you are not in chronic pain all the time. You have family. You have friends right here. And here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a litmus test. It could always be worse. It could always be worse. The next time your child, those precious little munchkins that are back there getting all prepared for the Christmas program that are going to make you just ooze with pride. Next time they're little ungrateful little turkeys in your house, next time they come across that way to you, take them somewhere where they can see why they should be grateful. Take them on a mission trip. When COVID is lifted and we go back down south to the orphanage, let them go with you. 
Take a fam- take a vacation, get down there. Let them experience firsthand what it means to really be in lack. Let them experience that. They'll experience, they'll understand that, listen, that, that, that they need to be grateful in their lives because until Jesus is all that you have, you may not ever know that Jesus is all that you need. Until Jesus is all that you have, you may never know that Jesus is all you need. For some people in here, this has been a hell of a year for you. This has been really hard. And until Jesus is all that you have, some of you are there. You'll never know that Jesus is all that you need. Let me give you another hashtag for your Twitter feed. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. Or I'll repeat the one I said earlier because I really think it's powerful. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. So we said, number one, every good gift I have comes from God. I said, number two, don't let what I want rob me of what I have. And number three, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Why? Because every time you don't turn blessing back into praise, it will likely become pride in your life. And pride always comes before the fall. So I'm going to say it again. When we don't turn blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. We start saying things like, well, I deserve that. Well, I earned that. Those are dangerous words. Long time ago, when my wife and I were very young, um, and I was very young in the Lord, I remember uh, we lived on, on our college campus that was married student housing in a little trailer park in the back. And occasionally the married, married couples would get together in the lawn that was out there and we would, I don't know, barbecue or have a, a game time or something. But one time there was this social thing going, we were playing volleyball or something. And I'm young in the Lord, and um, my wife was more mature in the faith than I was. She was raised in the church. And I wasn't. And I, one of the guys did something. I don't know if he did a spike of the volleyball or something. It was kind of cool. And I, heard, I saw one of the other guys say, hey, that was awesome. Way to go, man. And his response was, praise God. And they just moved on. And I thought, well, that's weird. Why would he say praise God for something that he just got done doing? And I think in the church world, we just do this because it's kind of part of who we are. That was contagious to me 30 years later. I'm standing before you remembering that moment in my life. And I went home afterwards, went back to our little house and told my wife, I said, well, that was weird. That was strange. She kind of helped me. That wasn't strange. He was just giving glory to God for what talent that he did have to be able to do it. And I thought, well, that's good to do in church, but that's kind of weird to do when you're playing volleyball at a barbecue. But it stuck with me so much in my life that I, I hope that you've seen that in me, that, that when, when you say, hey, that was a great message or that was wonderful, that the answer could be thank you, but on the tail end of that is always praise God. Or just the answer is, well, praise God. Because God is the giver of every good gift, right? God is the author of all of this. He is not the author of negativity nor confusion. He is the author of everything that's good in your life. So I will turn every blessing that I have 
back into praise. In fact, I love what David said in Psalm 63, uh, verses four and five. He says, he says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. In other words, I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. Every blessing that I have will be turned into praise. So let me give you an exercise on this Thanksgiving uh, weekend, the weekend prior to Thanksgiving. Think of something that, that you have in your life that is special to you or someone that you have in your life that is special to you. I mean, it might be your job. Um, it, even though, you know, sometimes it just stinks, right? It depends on, you know, some, sometimes it's just rough and you don't like the people you work with and you don't feel like you're getting paid enough. And, but think about your job. Think about your spouse if you're married. And, and you might be the same thing as you did with your job. Well, this is rough. I don't, you know, I don't get paid enough, and I'm just kidding. But think, think about a friend that you have or a relative. Think, think about that. And I want you to just try and pretend that you lost them, that you lost it. You lost your job, that job that you complained about. Um, but now that it's gone, you, you really want it back. Think about um, losing um, um, your health. We're all, we don't ever notice our health until we don't have our health. Everybody understand, yes? I mean, I had the privilege of going, Edwin, uh, thank you so much, uh, and Arlene, and, and Ashley, thank you for letting me come. And see, I got to see Edwin's mom yesterday, Julie. What a beautiful woman who's been married to her husband, George, for 55 years. Is that right? 55 years vibrant woman, passionate woman about life, really a giver and a, and a leader in the community, very well respected and, and well known. And yet for the last six years, she's laid in a, basically in a vegetative state, strokes and now cancer. And I think, I think to myself, hmm, the life that she had for some reason was taken from her as she as she knew it before, as her family knew it before. I want you to personify that for yourself. What if my health was, a, what if I found out that I have cancer? That's what I want you to pretend, not confess it, just pretend for a moment that I got the news, I got the call. I want you to pretend for just a moment that, that, that your mom, fill in the blank, your best friend tragically dies. Pretend for just a moment. And now I want you to pretend for a moment that it was all a mistake, that you don't have cancer and your mom didn't take off and your best friend didn't die. And, and, and uh, you didn't lose your job. And when you, when you go down this road, I was driving home yesterday from, from doing a few things late yesterday afternoon. And I was headed home, and, and I, got to, I got my radio thumping. I'm just kind of enjoying life, and I'm looking around. I'm like, it is a beautiful day out here. A little chilly, but I like that weather. And I had the windows down a little bit, and the wind's blowing in. And I'm, I'm kind of celebrating the goodness of God. I really was. And, and then I thought, well, I know I'm going to talk to the people tomorrow, but let me just go down this dark path for a moment. 
Let me pretend for a moment, because there have been many over the last few decades, brisk autumn afternoons that I've been driving down the road and it's been a dark moment because someone just lost a loved one or because, because um, tragedy just struck. And I thought, wow, what a difference it would be if I was driving down the road feeling defeated and in dismay, feeling depressed and discouraged, feeling hopeless and lonely and lost. And it was really hard for me to compose myself as I pulled into my driveway. I had to take a few extra minutes before I jumped out of the truck, knowing that this was just a drill, but also reflecting back on my life and realizing that there have been many times that I've been like, doesn't anybody understand how bad it is today? Everybody else is just, life is going on for everybody else, but for me, it, it's painful, it hurts. It's loss, it's discouraging. And I remember those, those moments, and it, it makes me reframe my now. It makes me reframe what I have today. It makes me take a look and say, oh God, I am so blessed in my life. I am so grateful for what you've given to me because what could be hasn't happened. I'm not confessing it. I'm believing you for greater things in my life and on behalf of my family. I am so grateful, God, that you've given to me health and life and friends and faith and family and Jesus. I am so thankful and in the midst of your turmoil because you might be driving down the road actually experiencing what I was pretending and reflecting to experience. And I am here to tell you that it will get better. It will get better. God is with you. He has never left you. He will not abandon you, not in the midst of your pain and your hurt and your struggle and your turmoil and your grief and your loss. He will never leave you. He is holding so tightly to you. That's the love of God. That's why I will turn every blessing back in to praise. When we do this, when we take things for granted every day and we reframe it and we think, what would life be if I had lost that person or that job or my health? We reframe things and we realize I have got so much to be thankful for. So instead of saying, I'm tired of this old jalopy of a car, you say, thank God, I've got a car that runs, that gets me from here to there. I'm tired of this house always being a wreck. And you start thinking, well, thank God I've got a, a husband and kids that make my house always a wreck, right? You start reframing things and saying there's blessing on the other side. What am I saying to you today is I conclude this. When the world is nuts, and it is, when, when you have a bad day, and you do, when Uncle Eddie visits for Thanksgiving this Thursday, by the way, every other relative will cancel, but it seems like the Uncle Eddies always come all the time. You know what I'm talking about. So when Uncle Eddie visits, when trouble comes your way, when you get bad customer service, when you're tempted to complain, we are going to stay positive and we are going to be thankful because we've got a really good God. Amen. And we recognize Every good thing I have comes from God. And we recognize 
I won't let what I want rob me of what I have. And we recognize that I will turn every blessing I have into praise. Ten people were healed, but only one came back to thank Jesus. I challenge you this, thank, this Thanksgiving to be, be the thankful one. Be the thankful one. Father, we ask that you would bring and do a healing work in our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would transform us to be full of gratitude, that we would be the one who returns to say thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Now just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. As you're reflecting in prayer today, many of you want to be more grateful. Many of you want to have a heart of gratitude. You know you need to live out these three statements. And so I ask you to say yes. Say yes to God. God, I am sick and tired of all the negativity. I'm even sick and tired of my own negativity. And I'm choosing faith to stay positive. And I'll be grateful. Even when the other nine are not grateful, I will return. I will come back and I will praise my God. God, give me an attitude of gratitude. Give me a, a heart of praise. If that's you, it might be one of the most difficult things to do in your life right now because it is so dark. But if that is you and you're like, God, would you flip the script? Would you transform me? Would you renew my mind? Would you help me, God, to embrace being grateful? And when I'm grateful, my life will seem so much more vibrant and effective. God, my life will seem so much more important. My life will be so much more fulfilling. Oh God, help me to be grateful. I want a heart of gratitude. I want to live this out. If that's you, slip your hand up to heaven right now and just leave it up for just a second. God, help me to be more grateful. Help me to have a heart that is grateful. Help me, God, to see my life through your lens, not through mine. Help me to know that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. God, I thank you for the people that are saying yes to a heart of gratitude. God, may we see the blessings that we have and may we never live with an entitled heart but turn our blessings back into praise to you, God, because you, oh God, and you alone are good. And you, oh God, and you, oh God, are grateful to be praised in the powerful, holy, awesome, anointed name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.